0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas,
1: with a simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Uh, The verse today comes from John 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when, he, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of the Lord.
0: Well, good morning again. My name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at The Vine. And it's great to have you guys here. For those who are new to The Vine or for those who have been around for a while, it's just a joy to share it today with you. I'd like to begin with a little experiment. I'm going to ask us to recall a couple different things. And so just play along with me. So uh, first, I want you to think about a childhood memory that is essential Easter. So think back to a childhood memory that is just embodies what Easter is for you. Okay. Next, I want to see if you can remember how the rap song Ice Ice Baby begins. <laughs> don't say it out loud. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Curious if you know how that song begins. And then finally, I want you to think about a specific moment in your life that you just wish you could have bottled up the thoughts and the emotions that you had when you experienced that. If you could have bottled up the thoughts, emotions, and the experience of one moment, what moment would you choose? What I'm trying to do with this experiment experiment is to to explore the different ideas that we have when it comes to our memories. Because our memories can mean different things. For some of us, our memory is our ability to recall things of the past, like what did I eat last night, or what I experience often in my life, why did I walk in this room again? You know? But then there's other ideas of memories, that's like the ability to recall really, really important information like lyrics from an uh, awful rap song. I mean, honestly, everyone knows how it begins. And you, you know what, what comes after A1A. Okay. You guys can say he has risen, he risen indeed, and you're afraid of saying Beachfront Avenue. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, it's super important, though, to be able to recall things like that. But then there's a different aspect of memory. And this idea is the ability to hold... Things of our past, things that we know to be true, to be able to hold them in the present, so that it changes how we see the world and how we live. Like for us to have this ability to remember that which took place, it, it invites us into a new reality. That's another version of remembering. And as I was reading the Easter story in this season, what i what I realized is in most of the Easter stories, The work of God on Easter Day is the work of helping people to remember. You'll find this over and over again in these passages, whether through angels, through Christ's words, that he came to confuse and frighten people and and helped them to remember. This is even found in Luke's gospel, for instance. The women came to Jesus' tomb to care for his body, and they were astonished when they were greeted by two different angels who said this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then the women remembered his words. Now it's likely that these women could recall the teachings of Jesus and the things that Jesus said along the way but they had forgotten to hold them in this new reality. They perhaps were struck by despair and sorrow, and so they forgot. Yet the work of Easter is to help us remember, to remember the meanings of our memories and for that to shape our reality here and now. So as a part of living into this Easter tradition, we are invited to remember as well. And so Easter is not just a holiday we observe, it's it's something that we are called to remember and live into. It's a reality that we enter into. Easter is like a landmark. Have you ever seen, like been on a road trip and you've seen that that post that says a landmark coming in one mile and actually pulled over to see what took place there beforehand? Easter is like a landmark in time that Christians for generations have pulled over and stopped and taken a look at. Even outside this building, have y'all noticed that there's a landmark over there as well? Have you took the time to stop and read what took place here, why this building is here? So in many ways, Easter is a landmark that we pull over as a church to remember what took place and to allow that to shape our reality. That Easter is about us entering into the story again, Or maybe better said, it's about allowing this story to enter into us. So as your tour guide on this trip, on this Easter, I'd like to pull over. Pull over and remember one particular scene of Easter. In John's telling of this story, the followers of Jesus, they were hiding in fear. They were together behind locked doors. And in the midst of their sorrow and their anxiety, Jesus showed up. This is what Jesus said to them. Peace be with you. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus came to frighten and confuse followers, and notice what he offered. Peace. Does anyone here have a longing for greater peace in their life today? And as we've been talking in this series of weak and strong the way in which Jesus seems to offer peace to them was through his wounds, was through his vulnerability. Jesus chose that path of vulnerability and weakness so that maybe we could find in our own pain, in our own sorrow, in our own wounds, we could find that there is peace made available to all of us. But Jesus wanted to give more than peace. Jesus also wanted to provide comfort and refuge and go through that comfort and refuge to give these disciples, these followers of Jesus, power, to give them purpose. That's why Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What an odd, odd thing to do. I'm not sure about you, but after someone's been dead for three days, I don't care to have them breathe on me. This back of the throat exhale, I'd pass. I'm not sure about you, like one of the weird things I've picked up up during this pandemic is if I'm walking through a crowd, I find myself holding my breath as I walk through the crowd. Anyone else? Like I wasn't a germaphobe two years ago, but I'm holding my breath as I walk through all of you. I just don't know. I just don't know. But Jesus here is breathing on them, and I think that Jesus is wanting them to remember, remember this idea of memory, to remember something deeper. I wonder if Jesus is trying for us to, to recall something. And it's how this whole thing began. All if you were to rewind the script all the way over to Genesis chapter two, I want you to notice how God chose to create humanity. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man. That word formed is like what a potter would do. It's like to create, to form uh, humanity there. And to shape from clay into something. That's what Jesus was doing. So God shaped humanity from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So it wasn't enough that God like formed and shaped this man, but it was also that God breathed life into him. Something interesting about, and if you were to look at the Hebrew words here, that same word for breath or to breathe, you could easily translate into spirit, that word ruah. So in many ways, what we find here is that God, to create humanity, had to breathe his spirit into him. And here Jesus is on the other side of his death. And in this new moment, and what does Jesus do to these followers who thought everything was over? It was done. The story had been written. Jesus comes to them and breathes life into them again. This time, Jesus breathes peace and power to those who thought it was all over, those who were hiding in fear. I just want you to remember something right now. It's that you are breathing. Have you forgotten that? That you right now are breathing? Probably not, but you. when was the last time you actually stopped and considered this incredibly magical thing that's taking place right now that all of us are breathing? Take a moment right now and breathe in with a deeper awareness. It's kind of magical, this oxygen that's being released by plants plants all over the place, goes into our lungs and mixes with our bloodstream with an abundant amount of pollen right now. If the pollen wasn't enough, have y'all noticed all the worms hanging from the trees? It's awful. I'm like living in like this, uh, you know, this movie where you're peeling away everything. I don't want to live in that world, but here we are. It's Easter. Let's move on. So, we are living in this magical moment where we have this rhythm of inhaling and exhaling, and that sustains our life. Yet, how rarely do we actually stop and appreciate this reality? Or, furthermore, like when's the last time you actually had gratitude for it? If indeed that word breath is the same word as spirit, consider this on this Easter day that God. Is as close to you as the air you're breathing. That God has designed this whole thing that you are taking God's presence and spirit inside of you. It's sustaining you, it's keeping you alive. It's fueling you. And a thousand times a day, you are breathing in grace and mercy. The Spirit may be coming inside of you and meeting you in your fear and your uncertainty and your confusion or your spiritual apathy. And Jesus wants you to be filled with his presence and his Spirit this Easter. That idea of the Holy Spirit's a funny thing. Many of us don't know what to do with it. I grew up in a tradition that the Holy Spirit was kind of like an uncle that you didn't really want at the party. We didn't talk about, we talked about the father. He seemed really angry a lot. And then Jesus, who's like, chill out. They're with me, everything's fine. And then the Spirit, we didn't know what to do with. Maybe because I grew up in a tradition we call it the Holy Ghost, and that's spooky. (laughs) But Jesus here is saying the Spirit is a gift. It's something I'm wanting to give you. But what is the Spirit doing? What is the Holy Spirit doing? I want you to think about this. This is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do after he, after he would do his role, as after he would live and die and be risen again. He promised the Spirit would do one thing. John 14, 26 says this. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you will remind you of everything I have said to you. What if the Spirit's work in your life and on this Easter is to help you to remember this reality that in Jesus there is life again, there is hope where there was despair, and there is incredible joy where there was sorrow. Seeing Jesus resurrected and having him breathe on these disciples, I'm sure this would be a memory that they would hold for the rest of their days. But the problem was that someone wasn't there. And it was Thomas, doubting Thomas. Do you guys feel bad for Thomas? Doubting Thomas, like he's the Eeyore of the group. Like, oh, poor Thomas, right? Like the rest of them were super faithful and courageous, right? Not so much. But Thomas wasn't there. They had to go find Thomas and tell him what was taking place. But Thomas wasn't ready to believe in this good news. This is what took place. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas was not about to believe in fake news right? He needed it to be persuaded. He needed to see it for himself. And I know there are a lot of Thomases here today. I know there are a lot of Thomases in my life. And if I'm honest with you on this Easter, I might be one too. Thomases come to church with a dose of skepticism. Thomas find themselves reading the lyrics before singing them because they're not sure if they actually believe it today. Thomases will unconsciously find themselves crossing the arms as their pastor is blabbing on. It's okay, y'all can keep them crossed, I see you, it's fine. I just want to talk to the Thomases out there today. And maybe, if we're to be honest, the Thomas that's in all of us, notice what Jesus does in this passage. I want you to notice how gentle Jesus is with the one who had doubt. I want you to notice how accessible Jesus became. Thomas' declaration of uncertainty didn't earn Jesus' disdain or anger of like, why did you give up on me? Instead, Jesus came after him. Jesus drew near and gave Thomas exactly what he wanted. Jesus offered it. A week later, Thomas was with the other disciples and this moment took place Though the door were locked, notice that they were still afraid. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he gets his eyes and sets them on Thomas and says, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hands. Come here. Reach out your hands and put them in my side. Then Jesus said, stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. I find it interesting what Thomas needed to believe again. Don't you imagine that, like, what would move Thomas from, see, my arms are crossed. um, What would move Thomas from his disbelief would be, like, I need to see the, the risen Lord. I need to see the empty tomb. Like, that is going to be the thing that cracks me open. I want to see how powerful God is. But instead, for the cynic, he actually needed to see wounds, And I know for some of us who deal with cynicism and skepticism and doubt in our life, I actually find a lot of similarities with Thomas. My question oftentimes is not if God is powerful enough or big enough, but my question is, does God care? Where is God in the midst of the sorrow and the suffering in this world? Like, where is he? And I find in myself the thing that moves me from Disbelief and cynicism isn't coming up against God's power, how almighty He is, but actually finding some kind of solace in the fact that Jesus was wounded. What moves me through my own doubt and my own cynicism, in the despair and the sorrow in my life and the pain that I see in this world, is a Savior who comes and says, Me too. I think for me, if there was Easter without the cross, I would always know that God was powerful and big, and I would always have a sense of fear and reverence for God. But because of the wounds of our Savior, I am moved to believe and to love. For many of the Thomases in us, I want us to notice that even though Jesus was risen, even though he was resurrected, He still has solidarity with those who are living with wounds today. The resurrected Jesus can come to us in our pain and suffering and say, me too. But Jesus then uses those wounds to invite Thomas to move through cynicism into belief. And the same is that for you too, for you and me on this Easter day. The grace of Christ comes to us wherever we are, wherever we are with faith and doubt, But the resurrected Jesus does not want us to get stuck there. He wants us to move through doubt into renewed belief again. I personally am cheering on those of you who are doing the hard work of deconstructing your faith right now. I think for many of us, it's a healthy part of our life. But this Easter, I want you to hold space for faith again. I want you to hold space for belief again, for life again. Have your doubt help you break down and tear down that which needs to be left behind. But let Easter teach you that there is faith in Christ again to build something better. And the way in which you build something better is when you have had an encounter with the Jesus who is marked by the wounds of suffering and marked by the power of resurrection. This is why this ending on Easter, on this series that we've been talking through with Weak and Strong, it's finding its culmination in Jesus who stands before us with the ultimate display of what it means to be weak and strong, wounded and yet victorious. This is our journey. Part of my journey, in high school I was in the band, the marching band. I know, shocking, you probably thought I was the captain of the football team or something like that. I was this guy, yeah. I don't see why that was funny at all. I know what you're thinking, yes, yes. I, I was a big hit with the ladies, it's true. My purity ring had no problem staying on, that's, that's true. But the band that I was a part of, the band I played with, like we were actually really good. In high school, we were invited to play, in all places, we were invited to play Carnegie Hall in New York City. I'd never been to the Big Apple before, and like many of you, can you guys remember the time that you stepped, uh, you stepped out there in Times Square for the first time? How electric that was? So for me, when I was 17 years old, I stepped on there and talked about a, men- a memory we visited all the sites that you're supposed to do in, when you go to New York City, in, including Rockefeller Center. Uh, that right next door to Rockefeller Center had a famous, has a famous statue. Anyone seen it? Who is this? Atlas. And what is he doing? He's holding the world super strong, right? Do you know what's directly across this street from Atlas with all of his might? It's St. Patrick's Cathedral. I like to imagine what happens on Good Friday and what happens on Easter when the doors of that cathedral are swung open and we remember the day that Jesus died on a cross displaying what it means to live with ultimate vulnerability. And on that day with those doors open, staring at one another is the world's depiction of power and strength and Jesus's depiction of power and strength, Atlas with the world on his shoulders and Jesus with arms stretched out too, the arms stretched out on the cross on Good Friday and on Easter, arms stretched out to welcome and embrace anyone who is in need of a savior arms stretched out to show the world his wounds that were compelled by love, the wounds that will display that whatever is the wounds in your life, they will never have the final say. The worst things in our life, they will never be the last things. With Jesus, there is hope. Friends, Easter's not just a story that we rehearse each year. It's a reality that I want to invite you in today. In the same Jesus who found Thomas in his doubt, in his confusion, in his fear, Jesus is coming after you on this Easter day. He's coming after each and every one of us to show us the wounds and the power that he has. The same power that rose Christ from the dead wants to explode in your hearts and lives. So my invitation for you today is to breathe deeply in God's grace and his mercy and remember this Easter that Christ has risen and it changes everything.
1: We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about the Vine, get connected to our community or contribute financially to the Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.